Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 67 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I am... I, Give me the knife. I am Dan Beeston. And I am Gregoire. And, and that was a reference to an 80s movie. <laughs> and in episode 67, I will be talking about a newly discovered planet. I will be discussing why we're social. We may or may not be allocating the very first night's spatula. And I will explain to you how NASA thinks the world will end. But before we get to that, what have you done this week in science? I have been vaccinated against the flu. Oh, very exciting. I went off and vaccinated myself. Well, not myself. I was vaccinated by... <laughs> I ate some charcoal and mercury. <laughs> I, I was vaccinated by a trained professional. It took no time, hurt, not at all. And now I am full of vaccine. And when I said on the internet, on Twitter, I've been vaccinated. People went, are you autistic now? And I really couldn't argue that point, which is a bit sad. I went, well, I, I'm slightly, uh, but it wasn't because of the... Oh, forget it. <laughs> Screw you, hippie. <laughs> So, yes, vaccination. Go get vaccinated. It was a flu vaccine. It was great. Well, Three. I'd been vaccinated against whatever the hell I've had for four weeks. That's true. Come here. <laughs> Come here and let me kiss you. <laughs> That's how I got into this mess. <laughs> here on Smart Enough to Know Better, we care about the name of our astral bodies. We do. The Oort Cloud. Mm-hmm. Alpha Centauri. Mm-hmm. We've even gone so far as to name items that have no official name. We do. Of course, you speak of... The Earth's Sun. Chad. And, of course, now the recently named Earth's Moon. Colin. Colin. But there's two L's. Two L's. Just so people have been writing me the wrong name. It's C-O-L-L-I-N. Colin. Now, have you heard of Sedna? I have heard of Sedna, yes. Tell us about Sedna. Sedna is one of the dwarf planets out in the Kuiper Belt area, one of the Plutoids, you would have called them that. So it's similar. It's got a very elliptical orbit. I can't remember, like 80 astronomical units out maybe, something like that. It's out there whizzing around. It's a planet that's the, one of the reasons that Pluto is not a planet. It's a dwarf planet, I should say. Yeah, dwarf planet. Dwarf planet, yes. And it's not alone. It's absolutely not alone. One of our listeners... Steve Smethurst pointed me in the direction of the Nature podcast Mm -hmm. created by the Macmillan Publishers. I'll play you a little bit of that podcast. Sure. Once upon a time, far away in the outer solar system, there was a little dwarf planet called Sedna. Then one day, the earthly astronomers got a surprise. They saw that Sedna had a friend. The friend is too new even to have a name, so they call it 2012VP113, which is catchy. Chad Trujillo and Scott Shepard found Sedna's companion. To see if Sedna and her friend lived happily ever after, I called Chad. Okay, so a scientist called Chad Trujillo has discovered a companion to Sedna. Right. Out there in the inner Oort cloud. Does that mean Sedna has a moon? Is that what they're trying to say? Or the, well, the dwarf? They're, they're both dwarf, dwarf planets. planets in orbit around each other. Yeah. Around a common axis. I think so. Wow. That item in space is called 2012VP113. Yes. All fine so far. Sure. Hang on, but I did hear, I heard about VP. They're calling it Biden. That's a joke because it's the vice president of you know, America. Ah. ah. That's very good. Who's they? Uh, Americans. Ah. <laughs> so Sedna was found about a decade ago, and I was one of the co-discoverers. I've become quite attached to Sedna, reading this paper, and now it's its little friend. I don't suppose you have a name for this thing yet, do you? Uh, no, we don't have a name. Uh I guess we should start thinking of one, but uh, currently the, the name is 2012VP113, and that's not a name we made up. That's a name that the Minor Planet Center uh, gave it. Good, good. Mm. The Minor Planet Service gave it 2012VP113. Good, <laughs> fine. Fine so far. Yes. Okay. Maybe we should call it Chad in this conversation. Kerry Smith from the Nature Podcast what the honest-to-God f*** do you think you're doing? You can't call it Chad. You can't call Sedna's partner Chad. It would get confusing. You're making a mockery I, I, of all of our hard work. We just... You can't just come darting in from the outskirts of podcasts, which is the nature podcast. 
and just declare something called Chad when it's already something called Chad in the solar system. The really big bright thing. Yes. The really, the biggest, 99% of all the mass in our solar system is called Chad. Thank you very much. That woman needs to be taken to task. Please don't tell me you took her to task. Dear Kerry. <laughs> It's always nice to make contact with another popular science podcast. Snuck that in again. Very good. Very clever. And it's with a heavy heart that our first communication should be so negative. <laughs> what sort of game do you think you're playing at? <laughs> Trying to name the newly discovered dwarf planet Chad. I think that you'll find that our popular science podcast, <laughs> Smart Enough to Know Better, has been diligently working for many years to get the Earth's sun named Chad since we discovered that it had no officially recognised title by the International Astronomical Union. Your attempt to name this dwarf planet Chad muddies the already whimsy, saturated <laughs> waters of local astral body naming conventions. <laughs> We've been slowly but surely chipping away at the resolve of the IAU to overturn their well-thought-out and inclusive choice of allowing all the people of the world to choose their own names for the sun, the moon and the earth, and we don't need you clouding the issue and undoing all of our hard work. I hope this letter finds you in good health. Dan Beeston. And Greg Ah, oh, damn it! Smart Enough No Better, a podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. Mm. And has she written back? Dear Dan and Greg... <laughs> No, not me. No, I had nothing to do with this. He keeps tying me to the bumper of his ignorance and driving me at things. You will be my ablative shield. <laughs> Thank you for getting in touch. What a diplomatic dilemma we find ourselves in. Far be it from me to further saturate these waters with whimsy. But give a dwarf planet a chance. You are already at liberty to call the sun Chad if you wish. Although, we must point out, it looks a lot more of a Brian from here. Whoa! Whereas poor little 2012 VP113 has a mouthful of numbers as a moniker. I hope you can find it within at your hearts to consider joining with us and referring informally to the new planet as Chad. <gasps> Perhaps we should ultimately request from the IAU that... All the objects in the solar system should be renamed Chad to make their policy as inclusive as possible. <laughs> From the other side of Chad E, mm. I'm sorry. No, no. Chad 8. Chad 8. We've, we've, we've discussed on the podcast many times. Our best wishes, Kerry and the Nature Podcast team. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Kerry uh -huh. and the Nature Podcast was, team, mm, this mm. is officially a feud. It, we are feuding. We are now, no, I, I am there. I was, I was backing away. I was terrified. I was going to throw you to the wolves and throw you under the wheels of the wolves. No, the wheels of the car the wolves were driving, Dan. But now I'm right beside you. I am beside you and Nature Podcast, we're, we're, we're gunning for you. That's it. It's nature versus smart enough to know better. And <laughs> may the best podcast win. Yes. <laughs> or something. Because Let the most popular podcast win. Because I don't think... Listeners, listeners, can you please go outside right now, if it's daytime, and look up into the sky. Don't look, look at, at the sun. Don't look, look at Chad. Don't, don't look at it. Don't look directly at it. But does that look like a Brian to you? I'll wait. Are you back? It doesn't, does it? No! That does not look like a Brian! It is not a Brian! That's ridiculous. So I, Kerry, we are now we're feuding. That's feuding. It. Feuding. I'll get in my banjo. That's a <laughs> Little worms are so beautiful in the ocean. Pretty when under the sea, more alarming when in your colon. Ariel, you sweet little parasite, listen to me. Stop thinking about that stomach parasite that you've fallen in love with. This stomach, it's a mess. Life in the colon is better than anything they've got up there. The intestinal flora is lusher in somebody else's gut. You dream about going up there, but the pyloric sphincter is shut. Just look at the world around you. Right here in the intestines, such wonderful things around you. Waist deep in the gut enzymes, in the big sea, in the big sea. Things are interesting when you're digesting, take it from me. Up in the tum, they break it down, in the colon, they make it brown. We're rock and rolling, bile ducks to colon, in the big sea. Ha ha ha! 
The worms in the gut are happy as they suck the food from their host. The worms in the tum aren't happy, the acid will make them toast. But worms in the tum are lucky, they in for a worser fate. One day if we catch E. coli, they will get regurgitate. In the big sea, in the big sea, nobody pucus and all our mucus externally. Jamaican crabs, you will not see them, singing under the duodenum. Some loop the looping, prep for the pooping in the big sea. We're in the right world, making the night soil in the big sea. We are so happy making the crap here. We find it's easy with all the feces. It's like a city. We make it shit. Stop. Stop. Please stop singing. Imagine that you are a twin, an identical twin. You mean we are a twin. We are twins. We are, uh, I'm, one of, I'm one of two yes, twins. you're one of two twins, yes. Yep. There is someone out there... Identical twins. Identical twins. There's a Dan Beeston 2, or you are Dan Beeston 2. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> two of you... Sure, it puts horror into the hearts of some. <laughs> and imagine... My mother, first and foremost. <laughs> imagine that the Dan Beeston identical twins... Yep. Dan and Dan, which is a bit confusing, but then again, your parents just... What is wrong with them? I don't know. I I wasn't going to talk to you about it or them, talk to you both about it, and it's getting very confusing now. Imagine that you meet a nice girl, Dan. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Oh, this is hard, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Careful. You meet a nice girl. I rarely am. (laughs) You meet a nice girl, and your brother Dan, your identical twin brother Dan, goes, oh, does she have a sister? And she does. She has an identical twin sister. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure I saw a film that started like this. And you both get married. Why did you say both get married, and your hands are going back and forth like you're rogering No, no, no. You're you're misinterpreting my gesture. I was saying that that you're married to her, and and he's married to her. You're doing it again? You look like you're planning to be on a luge team. No, (laughs) no. It's that you... Stop misinterpreting my gestures. And stop bringing up gestures on a podcast. It's very confusing to the listeners. That's why I made metaphors. Oh, very good. Now, you get married. So you've married one of the twins. Yep. And your twin has married the other twin. Yep. And you have babies. Yes. Not with, as in with your, with your now spouse. Both, not with, both partners both have partners babies. Both children. Yes, that's right. And yes. you have a couple of children. What connection do those children have? What are they to each other? Uh, what? Who? Let... Genetically, they'd be siblings. Genetically, they are siblings. Exactly right. You 100% hit it on the head. If identical twins have children with another set of identical twins, their children, separately though they are, are actually considered siblings. It would be almost impossible to discover who the actual father was. It can be done, supposedly, with some very, very tricky stuff. So you reckon that I should make a move on on his missus as well? Well, they would never know. know. They would never know. You wouldn't be able to tell because it's siblings. He's wishing that he'd made friends with you now. (laughs) Sucker. Your your identical twin brother's like a cuckoo in a second cuckoo's nest. This is not a useful no, boss. N- not at all. But it's, it isn't interesting. So that even though they are, by law, cousins, they share an uncle and an auntie, yep. they're actually genetically siblings. Mm. So they share approximately and statistically 50% of each other's genetic material. Yes. Which is what I share with my siblings, but not with my cousins. Exactly right. And what's really interesting about that is in that case, they would also share all their DNA with their mother and father and their auntie and their uncle. I... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so there you go. So um, I, I was thinking about this recently because I have a new nephew mm-hmm. and I'm always delighted to have new nephews because he would be one quarter me. One quarter, yes. He'd yes. be one quarter me. That's mm. an, one quarter of me additional in the world. In fact, there are more people in the world who are genetically me, but not me. Yes, yes. That's kind of freaky. For me in my family, that my sisters have had enough children now that there is a, statistically a whole genetic version of me out there that's not me. Yeah. So there's, there's me, who's 100% me, and there are four others who are 25% me, mm. well, effectively 25% me. But it's not all on you 25%. So you've it, got it genetic be, information. Yes. That- 
none of those four will probably have. Yes, that's right. It's not always, we, we didn't divide it up purposely. No. Which is, now, that leads into what I want to talk about, which is it's one of the reasons why we protect our families, because it's we're talking about evolutionary-wise, I don't have any children of my own, but my sisters do, and I do feel some familial connection to my nephews and nieces, and they say the reason for that is because they, they are passing on my genetics into the world, even though I, I didn't produce them in any way, shape, or form. Now, I had an interesting experience when I first met my niece mm. because I'd, I'd had some nieces to step siblings mm. and I was like oh yeah they're fine, fine 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 but then I saw my actual niece that I was related to like it was a quarter me yes I was like she's brilliant she's the most beautiful <laughs> child ever and I'm like oh is that my genetics like firing up mm. but then uh that niece had a little brother kid looks like he was backed into by a car so i guess it was just his really gorgeous niece uh maybe or maybe there was enough genetics for your brain to work it out your brain went that's me but i share the same amount of information with that kid as any one of their grandparents does yes one quarter yeah that's right yeah that's right yes i suppose it's direct lineage of down there as well though i guess if you're looking down from the top of the tree they are your direct direct progeny when you're slightly off the side of the tree you're not getting the same connection i guess Maybe. That's my, that's my guess. But where did all this come from? This is where, why are we social? Why are some animals, like humans, very, very social creatures and some animals are not? Why do we have pack animals? Why do we have solitary hunters? Why, where did this come from? How far back do we have to look? There's been some studies. What, 20 years? <laughs> yes. Uh, in the American... 40 years? Billions upon years. Uh, in the American Naturalist, there was a paper by zoologist Joel Amunia and his colleagues to try and work out exactly where our social aspects come from. And they looked at the humble European earwig. That's a little bug, isn't little it? Bug. It's like a little cockroach little thing. Yes, a little insect. And what's really interesting, it's one of the very few insects that's maternal. And when they have babies, they actually keep the... Once they've hatched, they, the babies stay with the mother and the mother protects them for weeks after their birth, feeding them and going out and getting food. Feeding them what? Feeding them them ears and wigs. I don't know. Like insect milk? No, 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 no. They regurgitate. Oh, okay. They regurgitate food down for them. (laughs) I thought it was disgusting for a moment. Like like birds. Like birds. I just made a lot of people very angry. (laughs) Or a very specific group of people very angry. Women who have lactated. That's you. Mammals. Mammals. I've put the entire... All... (laughs) Well, half of mammals offside. Mammals, bloody mammals. Think they rule the world. Beetles have something to say about that. Anyway, earwigs actually are, are maternal in that way. They look after their young. We're going to call that being maternal. Mm-hmm. And that's what scientists have always thought. They've always gone, oh, it's, that's where our social power comes from. Our social ability comes from mothers and fathers and children. You, you, you start off with the relationship with your parent, and then you move out to relationships with everyone else. And in the end, you have, you know, the, the whole monkey sphere thing kicks in, and you, you, you don't have to be genetically related. That's where they think, that's who used to say the connection comes from. But... Dr. Joel and uh, and the rest of the zoologists have said, well, that's one way, but also another way is siblings because earwigs seem to have some familiar connection with their siblings. So think of birds in a nest. If there's not enough food brought back to them, the bigger one kicks the little one out or the little one just dies from starvation because the big one's like, give me all the food, mom! Give me all the food! Mm-hmm. And the little one dies. Earwigs don't do that. Though in times of incredible stress, they can actually eat each other as babies. They, they, will, they will predate on each other. If, as long as it's not too much stress, only a little bit of stress, they'll actually feed each other. Aww. So their little babies will feed each other. And how they feed each other, where the mother will regurgitate the food for them, the babies will actually poop in each other's mouths. So they will actually, when one needs what? a bit of food... I'm, and they will so they, they will eat some of the food and they will poop. poop isn't food. Well, it is. An, it is that for, was taught to me very early on. <laughs> it is for earwigs, and they will actually give each other food for, through as anus to mouth contact, as it says. That doesn't seem very um, selfless. I mean, they're done. With, they're effectively done with it at that point, right? But they're yes, but they're actually giving it directly to the other one. They're not just going. I'll just poo here, and the other one comes and eats it. They're actually going. Here's my ass. And then you go, thank you, and they eat it. And like felching? I don't know what that is, and I don't think we should explore that at this time. All right. So basically, they think this is the start of being a social creature, is to poop in the mouth of your siblings. Oh, God. There you go. That doesn't sound right at all. Well, but that's, that's, that's nature, <laughs> red in tooth and claw and brown in dinner plate. Ladies and gentlemen. And others. All right. Sure. And the, the weird grey area. Weird? Is it weird? Is it wrong to say weird. weird? I think it's, I think it's wrong it's to say weird. Pretty. The, and, the, and the ones who are transitioning between. How's that? Anywhere on the gender spectrum that it's a, it's you a might spectrum. lie. Very good. Yay! 
on the normal ends or the weird <laughs> middle bit. Something we, we were doing I'm so well. We so were doing hard. so well, and then we just threw it all in the bin. That's okay. Well done. Small baby steps. Well done, us. The excellent order <gasps> of smart enough to know better has been approached. <gasps> yes. With a request. Do I need to go put on my queenly or kingly robes? Yes. I'm not, we never actually the, discovered which one it was. The king and queen of yes. smart enough to know better. You decide. That is. And that is Greg and I yes. are the king and queen of Smart Enough to Know Better. Or Dan and Greg, yeah. the queen and king. And indeed, the email starts hensely. Uh-huh. <clears throat> hi, Dan and Greg, or hi, Greg and Dan. Oh, well done. Hey, enjoy your podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. Popular podcasts, I should uh, put in there. <laughs> we have a long-standing feud with nature podcasts. Long-standing, that's, that's yes. How, um, that's how popular Entrenched we are. we are. Yes, that's right. In the podcast. I would say that we are popular science, but that would get us uh, sued. So we can't say we're popular science. That would make you a very bad astronomer. Oh. <laughs> okay. You have to put a mark on a it's slate. Choice. Everyone stop speaking now. <laughs> it's going to take a long time. Hey, enjoy your podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance, especially the ignorance part. Oh, Going to be thumbs up at this point. Marvellous. I am willing and eager to be knighted and drummed into the Order of the Black Spatula. Oh, yeah. That's not the real title that for it. No, no. You can't just make a title up. But the most excellent order of smart enough to know better. Yes. For I have used science to save lives. On one hand, I've installed radon removal systems in over 7,000 homes in the past 25 years, reducing the risk of developing lung cancer for more than 25,000 residents, which I'm, I'm just like, eh, doing your job? Nah, that's not really. You're it's got to be a heroic act. You're hard, man. You're hard. Yeah, I, I think because there have been a couple of these emails yes, where it's yes. like, oh, I did my job and yeah. I did the thing that I oh, was I, supposed to do. Oh, the, I, I think I, I, I kind of want to reiterate or recalibrate our mm. guidelines mm. here because mm. it has to be saving someone's life using science but i think that it should be a heroic act okay right i think that's what we're I, after I, I, it should definitely be something that you wouldn't be just doing naturally for money because someone told you to go do it anyway so are we are we quashed our minnesotian dreams not yet <gasps> not yet that was just his preamble right. going look at this yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. he's he realizes mm. that that's probably not going to pass oh, good muster man. good man that's that's like to see yeah but he tells this story. Or other, he might not be a man. Of when he worked at the port of Minneapolis. Mm. Uh, one cold November morning, a truck driver fell into the river while standing on the edge of the dock. The river was partially frozen, which means it was god awful cold. Okay, well, that's that, a life in danger. That, yes, yes. Uh, the driver wound up wedged between a 195 foot long barge and the timbers alongside of the dock. I, being the foreman on site and ignoring my own safety, heroic. Very good, very good. Climbed down the timbers and grabbed the guy by the collar, keeping his blowhole above the water. He had a blowhole? It's a it's a mammal hole for breathing, so I guess that counts. Okay. So this I was... Think, I think Minnesotians are... Dolphins? Yes, yeah, so we wouldn't be having any problem with the water then. Anyway, Minneapolis yeah, yeah, yeah. have blowholes. That's intriguing. Uh, must look into this. Maybe not all of them have a blowhole. Maybe mm. this one was porpoise-built. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, wow. And back to the comedy. Now, this was Now, this was a truck driver, meaning he was big. Mm. Too big for me to haul his wet ass up the timbers to the dock. Mm. A coworker climbed down to help. Alas, the two of us could not get Humpty Dumpty out of the river. By this time he was wet freezing, and could not help us in saving himself. Now, for the science part. Mm. I radioed, science, for the crane (laughs) operator to lower the steel cable, steel manufacturing science, Mm. down to us as we wrapped a two-inch polypropylene line, chemical science, around our semi-conscious trucker. Of course, the 100-ton crawler crane is full of science, gears, pulleys, asbestos brakes, diesel engine, electrical systems, all being used to to essentially a pulley, lever, and fulcrum system. Now, that's science. Mm. Now, Brad is talking a lot about the science-created devices he used to help Mm. this guy. Yes. And I'm somewhat underwhelmed. Mm, he Well, he didn't create them. He didn't no. build a crane. He no. didn't build a simple fulcrum to lift him yeah. out of the river. At this point, he hasn't really used science no, no. to save the guy. No. But he skips by the most interesting part. This guy didn't have a hook on him. If they wrap the steel cable around him, that's going to slice him in half. Right. Like, that's going to be really dangerous. Yes, yes, yes. You, yeah. So they okay. wrapped him in a, in a polypropylene line around him first, then put the hook through that. 
So that's stabilisation and using friction to work for them rather than against. The power of the crane picked up the big trucker dude and landed him on the dock where we deposited him into a hot shower where he quickly recovered and told us to get our hands off him and get the hell out of the shower. (laughs) For my heroic efforts, I would like the title of Brad of Radon, Knight of the Black Spatula. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, he can't be Knight of the Black Spatula. No, because no, that's no, not a thing. That's not a thing. That's, that's a, what, what we well, actually what call is, him. He would, be, he would be a Knight of oh, the most excellent order of smart enough to know better. He would be, yes. And because yeah, then the spatula. And he would receive a Knight Spatula. He would be a Knight Spatula. Knight Spatula. Knight Spatula. Knight Spatula. Knight Spatula. Yes. He'd be a and Knight Spatula. And he would receive yes. a Knight Spatula. A Knight Spatula. That's right, yes. That's it. Right. How do we feel about this? Well... He did think this man could be very badly injured if we just use the machine as is. So he did create a system that would protect the guy based not on something that was already designed to do that. Mm-hmm. So he actually created a harness out of a line. Yep. And so that's actually using science to create something new to save a life. So that it passes the test in that case. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I think that it's brilliant. I think that there is no reason that we wouldn't want to bestow upon this man a knight spatula, except for the fact that you will then have to go and figure out what that is and actually (laughs) post it to the man. I will. Then I am very excited to bequeath upon him as the king slash queen of Smart Enough to Know Better. I bestow upon Brad the title of knight spatula. The first. The first knight spatula. Who saved, who saved a human being's life through the heroic use of science. Hello? Hello, Cindy. My name is Clyde. I'm really excited to talk to you. What are you wearing, Cindy? Yes, I would like you to take it off. Well, what are wearing? I'm wearing a one-piece orange jumpsuit. What we wear? I would, but my hands are restrained. I can't reach the class. What? Hey! Excuse me, this is private. Are you using your one phone call for a phone sex line? It's my one phone call? Give me the phone. No. Give me the phone! One day, civilization will end. What? I have to pack. Where are you going to go to? Civilization? It's ending. There's nowhere to go. Perth? That's that's far from civilization. But uh, sorry, Perthians. We love you. We don't. Okay. But... The civilization is one day going to end, and the thing what things normally are going to happen at the end of civilization when you think about the end of civilization, what brings around the end of a civilization? Uh, you run out of resources run out of resources that 's a good one yes people stop making iPhone games and then we have to deal with each other and we just stab each other in the eye yes yep, very good lots of people die lots of people die, so maybe some sort of outside like an asteroid or tsunamis or climate change or all the terrible things that happen to us yeah because, and that, that damages society really bad. Yes. Okay, these are all good reasons. Now, Yay! things things like the Romans. The Romans went down screaming, and one of the ideas people think is... Fiddles! Fiddles! <laughs> and don't fiddle don't fiddle while Rome burns, if you'll pardon the expression. People think that maybe it had something to do with not just the Visigoths and the one coming, and that's the end of the civilization when it all got kicked around. That, that took hundreds of years. But anyway, was the lead, maybe the lead, all their water going down lead pipes. You like and, that one, don't you? I do like that one. I like it so much, the fact that they poison each other with lead. And we were doing a very similar thing with, our, with the petrol in our car until quite recently, until the 80s. We were pumping lead to the atmosphere, and, and lead levels were ridiculously high. We were doing a very similar thing to ourselves, but we managed to sidestep the thing the Romans didn't work Brilliant. out. But the Romans knew. Did you not know this? I, I only found out recently. The Romans knew it was toxic. I had this idea they didn't. They knew very well it was toxic, but they still used it because wow. it, it was soft and malleable. They had nothing else to use. They went, we'll get the slaves to dig it. And what sort of society yeah. would know of the incoming and have all these all this research yeah. towards the incoming 
dangers yep. of their day-to-day living and just ignore and it. Ignore for the, it for, for future uh, generations to deal with. Yeah. Exactly right. Madness. Never happened today. No. <sighs> anyway, a group at NASA have actually looked oh, into the fall... Those guys. <laughs> ...have looked into the fall of civilizations, things such as the Roman Empire and the Han Dynasty. Oh, uh, I, know what it, I know what it is. What's that? Spending too much money on space exploration. I will cut will... your face. I will cut your face. I will cut it, and people will go, what's that giant scar? And you go, that's because I made fun of space spending. And then they go, you know Greg, and you know he was going to cut you. And you go, yeah, now I know. Anyway, they've come up with... Obvious things, things that are going to cause a uh, civilization collapse, population out of control, climate out of control, not enough water, agriculture going wrong, or lack of energy or resources. These are swine flu. Swine flu, sure. Uh, all these things are things that, that wipe out. Are you mocking my no. sense of priority? No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, no, of course I am. Always. I will step out of this latex bubble and come <laughs> over there. So all these That's things. That's an empty threat. <laughs> all these things are things that we have to look for. Society collapses, but it's it's, not, it's always like a. A ratio of one or the other. It's not, not, there's no like magic death bullet for society. These have to be all together. Uh, so as uh, so population, climate, water, agriculture, energy, and all kind of hit some certain thresholds and the civilization collapses. Mm-hmm. But what forces these things to force a collapse? What forces these factors to go wrong, which is interesting. So you could talk about asteroids or climate change and that sort of stuff. But actually what's been shown a lot of the time is actually uh, when the natural resources are stretched because the gap between the rich, as they call them, the elites, and the poor, which they dub the commoners, becomes too great. Ah. Oh. All societies in the past have had the elite. Yeah. They're, they're the kings and the queens, the people who run things, keep it all together. Aristocrats. Aristocrats. Even, even big thinkers, people who are the people at the top telling you what to do. And there's reasons for that. People might go, oh, burn them all. But if we did, we might have anarchy. There is a reason to have elites. It does keep your society together, a hierarchy, so people know what the hell we're doing. So, mm-hmm. so bad people don't do bad things. That's not the problem. The problem is when you get too many elites, when the elites stop being about keeping society together and start being about making more resources for the elites. Ah. Does that sound like anything you know? Anything in, in recent history? I've got 1% of an idea about <laughs> what that means. <laughs> And here is the issue. It seems that when you get too many elites and their job becomes making sure the elites are not just maintain the eliteness of their power, but make more elites and take more resources, in the end, there's not enough to go around. And you stretch your society to breaking point. It's not the too many commoners, it's not the adding the population, like you know, 7 billion, 8 billion, 9 billion. It's the 1% at the top that take up 40, 50% of the resources which cause a collapse and it's been shown on average statistically that once you get you reach the threshold of too many elites your society is 125 years to go and then you're dead then your society will collapse now the problem is we don't know what with our population and our resources what is our peak elite you know when have we Mm. hit peak elite or are we still going to peak elite we don't know but statistically once it happens 125 years and civilization will collapse yay good but, I like to, you know, mix the pot a bit. And maybe that's the answer. But a lot of, unfortunately, most of the poor people would die in the world. Uh, and that's... Oh, look, everyone's going to die, Greg. Well, one day, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> civilization collapsing is not, not a good thing. The difference here is, for the first time ever, for the first time ever, for those people listening and just went, oh, I'm just going to crash my car into the river or whatever, we are a civilization that knows this. They're writing reports about it, the report, which you now link to and go and look at on this very podcast. We know this. Ah, so we can avert the oncoming lead poison, uh, the oncoming <laughs> uh, tragedy based on... Absolutely. In, oh, well, I'm sure that we're all sensible enough to do that. And, well, without being cynical, and I, and I get that, things like climate change, of course, that's a problem, and, and our elites in Australia are actually telling us, no, we don't believe in it, or shut up. That's their opinions. At the moment, they're saying... Keep digging! At the, at the moment, they're saying, we do believe in it, shut up! Which is weird. I don't understand what they're trying to say. The difference here, remember, here's a positive note. We did get rid of lead from our cars, our petrol, and that was killing us. That was... There is now 75% lead less lead in our systems than it was 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. We can do this. You can defeat big corporations who want to keep pumping lead in the atmosphere, petrol companies who didn't want to change. It can be done. Don't give up is what I'm trying to say. Don't throw your hands up in horror and say it's too hard. The moment you do that, you're part of the problem and not part of the solution. Oh, I don't want to have to be part of the solution.
just want to consume like a locust. Dan Beeston. Yes. I want to make you Mighty Thor. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. I'm sorry, I'm not Thingle. <laughs> the Mighty Thor. Now, I'm talking about the Marvel Comics version, not the, not the Norse legend. Uh, so the, 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 you would have seen him in the Avengers. You would have seen, seen him. You would have seen him in Thor 1 and seen him in Thor 2. He was sexy. He was, he was sexy. He took his shirt off. Everyone was very excited. Mm-hmm. He has been said that he's not magic. In fact, there's a line in the first Thor movie that says, no, what you think is magic is actually just super science. That you, know, you, you don't see it as science, but we are just so far ahead of you. What I do is science, not magic. That's how they got around it. Yeah. Crazy science, everyone. Forget it. He has a hammer, the mighty Mjolnir. 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 It's, it's, yeah, Mjolnir. 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 And he wields Mjolnir. It has to be worthy. Has to be worthy. And we've seen in the Avengers, yep. Thor just kind of flicks it around and attacks people. And when the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, who's the strongest one there is, yep. and the stronger he becomes, like the angrier he becomes, the stronger he becomes, yeah, yeah. he couldn't lift it. It was it, He got hit in the head with it. He went to grab it to bash Thor in the face with it. Couldn't lift it off the deck. Oh, wow. So is Thor stronger than the Hulk? No, that's no, crazy. That's crazy. Strongest one there is. It says so right in his in his storyline. The Hulk. Yeah. So what the hell is going on? Explain Mjolnir and explain Thor's powers. Oh wow. Okay, that's what we're doing. Crypto zooing. Right. Okay, so Thor. So he ha- someone has to be worthy. Yes. But how do you how do you measure that? Is that a measurement that you can measure? Like, what, what are they worthy of? Wait, of it, just it, picking up the hammer? Uh, well, it, it just says you have to be worthy to use it. Okay. When, when Thor was being a little prick, he, he, Mjolnir went, nah, and he wasn't going to pick it up. When Thor selflessly protected Jane, then Mjolnir went, rock on, and okay. he could fight. So it is very much related to your intent to use the hammer. So if you're like, I like to murder. I like to murder. Then it's just going to go, beep, nope. It seems to be that way. Okay. Yes. So we've got two things going on here. Sure. One, how it decides. Mm-hmm. And two, how it changes. Well, what is, what, what what's it, it doing? What's it do? Well, what like, can, what it, can, let's, let's discuss what Mjolnir can do. Mjolnir can go back to his hand. He can summon Mjolnir. Yeah. So it, it will come to him from anywhere on Earth. It okay. It come to him, crashing through things. It can be really damaging. It can be unbelievably heavy. Like, the Hulk cannot yeah. lift it off the floor. But it can also you know be what? light enough. To but be... what if it's not really heavy? No. What if it just becomes really sticky? Well, hang on. Before we go on that, it does say in the comics that Mjolnir is about 40 pounds. So what's that? Uh, 18 kilograms, roughly in that area. Yeah, well, so, no wonder no one can lift it. <laughs> so it's Snap not... Snap my spindly little arms. <laughs> it's not as if it's, like, made of a billion suns. It was forged yeah. in the heart of a sun, a dying star, but it's not super heavy in itself. It's only 20Ks. Let's say 20Ks, even though that would not be absolutely right. Okay. What's going on, Dan? What's going on with Mjolnir? Okay, okay. Well, I was thinking that maybe it could get sticky. Right. And stick to the ground, but <laughs> like I think that that... Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Hammer. But, but then if, if Thor handed it to someone who was pretty awful... Yes. ...then that means they could just run off with it. Until they accidentally put it on... Next Until to they put it, down, put it down on something and then they're just, oh, nuts. Damn it! Yes. So, oh, yeah, that's right. So I, that doesn't seem like a very useful anti-theft device. No. Or, uh... With Thor hands it Okay, okay. So, maybe... Maybe it doesn't become super heavy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just applying force... Uh. Towards the, the, the gravity... Wo- uh, towards the centre of the of gravity, you mean? Uh, yeah. Centre of mass towards of the planet. The ce- no, case. it sends energy... Pushes itself against... I'm getting lost. Okay. Things get pulled towards the centre of mass. Yes, and so what this does <laughs> is that it actually pushes... The hammer towards the center of mass, so right. it's like it's it's like firing like a little jet engines. What the M- M- Majolna? Yes, is made up of nano quadcopters. <laughs> so I you, see. you throw it away yep. and it whizzes around like uh, tiny quadcopters right. and then returns back to where it's coming from. I We've see. seen quadcopters we do, do it. We do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're scary. They can jump through windows. So horrific, can be horrific, horrific <laughs> robot, flying robot swarms. This is a 
This is a swarm. Yes. That works shaped like a hammer. Shaped like a hammer. Ugh. Now, it would need to be able to detect how awful someone was. Yes. Which is a really hard metric. That is a hard, yeah, that's Very a hard difficult one. to go to give them a, a, an awfulness metric. Yes. But Google Cars can <laughs> drive around and make decisions based on where the vehicle's going, where the robot is going, mm-hmm. and what what everything else is doing in relation to it. Mm-hmm. So if this is just a type of science, yes. then that means that Majolna's hammer is like a Google car and it can detect it in its environment what's going to happen to it. So if it's going to be bashed into a little child and it can read the environment mm. and go, this oh. guy's the sort of guy, measures the guy's brain and yes. goes, this guy's the sort of guy who will put a hammer into a child. Yes. It can then go, all right, Quadcopters, push air up and push us onto the ground. The guy's like pulling on the hammer, and the, but it, it, it but of course it's probably got stealth technology yeah, that gets rid of the yeah, of course, yeah. So it grabs the hammer, just a huge upgust of air. <laughs> but there which, isn't, there's an upgust of air. Of course there is. Look at Thor. In every shot, it's like hair, long locks <laughs> flying back like he's in a rock video. No, that's what's happening. That's is not, air, okay. airplay. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. So that's that's my answer. That's your answer. That seems like a nanocopters. Nano, I think it's a damn good answer. I like it. My, I thought about it too because I came up with it. I think the nano thing is really clever. I think it's, it must be nano-based or whatever it is. And that's why I agree with the way it detects people. Mjolnir is probably not just the hammer. It's probably a cloud that goes around the hammer. So when you step into the cloud of these nano-level robot-y things, yep. of course you breathe them in. They go into your eyes. They go into your brain. They read you. They read everyone. They're yep. constantly in you. And they go, as you said, they go, wow, this guy's a douche. Yep. Because it reads all your electrical impulses and goes, nah, no, no, no way mm-hmm. in hell. That's, uh, I agree. I think we, uh, we're onto something there. That that's it's a, it's a cloud of nano stuff and it's reading people and it's invading your very body, which yep. is creepy as hell. Thor, what the hell are you doing? I decided so to go... a bit Batman, really. I, said, <laughs> I decided to go a bit more fundamental physics because that's that's my bag and fundamental physics nano solves every problem no no but nano nano does. Solve every problem it does it does it does i think and the zero hammer, point energy i think and and maybe that's what powers itself we'll, we'll go will okay it's powered by zero point energy good that's another power system out of the way I don't, no I'm, i don't think so oh, i reckon it's just kinetic energy because when thor grabs it he's super strong and just squeezes it like those wristwatches that sell power <laughs> Just whenever he Thor grabs it. That's why he has to swing, swing it around. He's powering it off. Because he's got a... Sw- it, it, yeah, it's I like... See. Yeah. Well, see, it's like one of those radios that you have to wind first. <laughs> he's like... Okay, go, nanobots. Whoosh. That's, a, that's exciting, too. I think that... It th- the Higgs field. We talked about Higgs boson before. I always said that wrong. Uh, Higgs boson. And mm-hmm. remember, remember the field around us, the Higgs Sticky. field. The Higgs field. Honey. The more, that, yeah, the more that's around you, the, the more mass you have. Particles that have the Higgs boson or the field yes. around become more massive. See where I'm going with this? It's controlling the Higgs field. It super science ah. increases its interaction with the Higgs field. It gains more mass effectively. You can't lift it. It goes, Higgs field. Hang on. Hicksfield! Hang on, hang on. Yep, yep. I thought that someone very clever Mm -hmm. said that you can't create or destroy mass. I mean, you could change mass into energy and... You're not... not, Yes. You're saying that you could just... This Higgsfield could just make more mass... Well, mass is an effect of having the Higgs field around it, yes. Mass is just a symptom of the core underlying cause. So can you just pump energy into, a, into Higgs to make... We can't, but this is Thor's The Asgardians. We're talking well, super no, tech. No, 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 no. Super tech or not, yes. we, he, they're limited by the laws, of the laws of physics. The answer is we don't know. Ooh, that's, that's a good out. I don't, I, I don't know, so I can't say. I don't, I'm not an Asgardian. I may have the physique of a god, but unfortunately, <laughs> don't, don't. The beard's a start. Oh, damn it. I'll support that. <laughs> the beard's a start. He had a very Asgardian beard and an Asgardian beer gut. Uh, <laughs> he obviously has drunk a lot of meat in his time, <laughs> and that can only be commended. <laughs> so the Higgs field gets more energy into it, and it makes it very heavy. So that means he can summon it as well, because he could have gravity come off from one side, and it could come to his hand. And because it's got the nano field, oh, yeah. it's got the nano field around him, the nano field around him. Hang on. No, 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 no. no, no. It's, it, you're saying that if there's a strong Higgs field on the far side of an object... But then, not on the close side of an object, it will be pushed oh, in that direction. 
That doesn't. Would that's be, not it, right, is it? It, it, would, it would get attracted if suddenly the oxygen in front or next to Mjolnir suddenly gained a lot more mass. Then Mjolnir would get dragged towards it. So it basically, it's like a tug pulling ah, the hammer in front of it. Ah, yeah. And we're talking about a nano swarm around it. So that's why it always knows when he needs to put his hand out. The nano swarm goes. Thor wants me. And because he's technically still connected, maybe with some sort of some sort of tendril of nano craziness that goes through like everything, because it's nano, it can go right through matter. Or Wi-Fi, or Wi-Fi, or we just why don't we just created go? by the CSIRO? Created by the CSIRO. There we go. Damn it, Thor, give him some money. Or are they stolen by the CSIRO? No, it. Why do you say that? <laughs> That's not true. They won a court case proving it wasn't true. Just like OJ. <laughs> point of this is nanoswarm, I think it's nanoswarm hammer, and it also explains why he can fly, because same thing, he swings it around, he powers it up with the dynamo inside, which I, yeah. really, I really like that, by the way, that's yeah. quite cute. When he throws it into the air and holds on to the, the little bit at the end, that's how he flies, Thor can fly that way, it's because the Higgs field is dragging it along, once again, making things heavy in front of it, and you get dragged towards it, it's just a gravity field that goes... So he's falling towards it. He's falling towards it at great speed. Strong. Hang on, hang on, hang yeah. on. No? No, I've, but I've, there's still a problem there. Oh, yeah, okay. So... There's a Higgs field on the pointy end yes. in front of his hammer. Yes. And it's very massive. Yes, for a split second. He throws it away. It yes. becomes more massive but maintains its same velocity. But it's next to a, a gravity well. He's just going to get... Cr- it's just going to fall on his head and crush him, pancake him between two ma- giant masses, but the earth and the end of the hammer. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But if you put the, if you put the gravitational field in front of it, a, a heavy gravitational field, it would drag things around. We haven't seen that. It would drag the earth around. But it's not, how, we're not talking billions of tons. We're not talking... We're just talking enough to lift a hammer. No, no, at no. At speed no. And, and a man at speed. That's no, not, it's that's got not a lot of mass. No. It's not a lot of mass. No, no. It's a lot of mass because to get a hammer... To leave the Earth? Why would the hammer leave? When's it leaving the Earth? Well, it's going upwards. It's going away from the Earth's gravity. But but it needs to have substantially more. I refute. I refute your argument. Thus, what did I just do? I just jumped up. Yeah, gravity's really weak. Gravity is really weak. If if a, if a mammal, a beer gutted, bearded mammal, can leap off the planet and the planet goes, come back, and then takes a couple of seconds, gravity's really weak. The planet Earth, the entire you planet Earth, enough- could not stop me from lifting off the planet. You need enough mass for Thor and his hammer yes. to fall upwards away from the Earth. Yes. So it needs to be more massive than the Earth, the entire Earth that is pulling at him. So there's, you've got two massive objects. Yes. One of them's moving away from the other, but they're, they're suddenly if interacting with each other. We don't know that the planet Earth isn't moving. So com- compare, compare the... Oh, hey, all right. No, 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 no. Hey, okay, go no, on. You have a man, well, a man-like alien, holding a hammer, and w- which one, one probably weighs 100 kilograms and one weighs 20. It's 120 kilograms. To make 120 kilograms move takes a lot less energy, a lot less force, than it takes to get a 6 uh, six by 10 to the 34 kilograms. So I think that's what the... I'm sorry if I'm wrong but not there. if you're using gravity as a... As a, as but, a but what I'm saying is if, if, once he gets moving, you don't have to... You don't need... If he's much closer. Remember the square law, the radius square law, the, the, the square distance law. Oh. So he, 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 it's right on him. If it's a micron away from him, if it's a plank length, a plank length, Dan, it doesn't have to be that powerful. It doesn't have to yank the planet away from itself. It's so close. It makes a big field. It yanks him away. I don't have the knowledge and to I'm, combat this And I anymore. know this. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, but you know, okay, but not, I'm not trying to out, out but No, because it sounds right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a radius so square. I really, I, in my gut, I really hope there's a listener going, well, that's not right at all. <laughs> and, but, but that's how we're going to explain how to get Mighty Thor. Hey, Greg, we have to record the podcast today. Do you have any sketches? I've written two. Um, I, I have uh, uh, somewhere. Damn it, you don't have one, do you? Um, well, I have the square root of negative one of a sketch. You have the square root of negative one of a sketch. Yes. It's imaginary. Yes. I hate you. No, it is I you hate. What? You hate I, not me. Ah, The square root of two, Greg. The square root of two. Dan, calm down. You're becoming irrational. Walk of shame! It's the walk of shame where the very seldom... 
the very seldom mistakes that we made. <sighs> They're few and far between, Dan. Are pointed out few by our listeners. and far between. Hopefully we have enough time <sighs> to do this. <laughs> Uh-oh. Quite a few today. Yes. <gasps> Let's do it. So, this one is from Jeremy in Kansas. Hello, Jeremy in Kansas. Greetings. I am writing today to gleefully point out a walk of shame committed by Greg. Oh, During... No. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Oh, I'll show you how he dares. Oh, okay. During episode 65, he offhandedly mentioned that the moon, Colin... Yeah, oh, very good. ...was highly reflective. While this is certainly not a specific measurement, the moon's albedo is only 0.12. That is to say that only 12% of the light falling on it is reflected. I think we can safely say that this value of albedo solidly places the moon out of the highly reflective category. <laughs> you, sir, are technically correct. The, the best, best kind, kind of, of correct. correct. I stand corrected. Welcome mm. shame for me. Oddly enough, the Earth's moon, Colin, displays what's known as an opposition surge. So when the light source is directly behind you, the surface appears brighter. This means that the full moon appears more than twice as bright as the quarter moon. This is probably because it has no atmosphere. Right. When is the best time to look at the moon through a telescope, Mr. Astronomer? I would say when it's at quarter moon. Yeah, and why is that? Because the light's coming from the side and you get to see craters and mountains and things. Uh, When when you see it from full moon, it's coming directly from behind you. Mm -hmm. You don't see any of the topography. Yeah. Yeah. So the half of the moon that you can see, Mm. it's covered with shadows. Long shadows. Long shadows that you can see. Yes. Now, when those shadows get shorter and shorter, Mm -hmm. there's no atmosphere scattering the light. So you're seeing heaps of shadows. Then when the light is right behind you, you don't see any shadows. So not only do you see the full disk of the moon, but there are no shadows that you see. Right. So that's the opposition surge. The entire surface is bouncing light back at you. That's very good. I like that. That's very exciting. What have you got for me? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. You got no walk of shame. No, no walk of shame. Oh. oh, I'm like, I guess that's fine. Except there's another one for no, you. No, damn it. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> Matthias on Twitter. Oh, good old Matthias. <laughs> when you said American Parliament, you oh. probably meant Congress. I have already eaten so much humble pie about that on the forums. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I know. But for the people who don't go to the forums, yes, I no. said, I was talking about the saving the, plan- the planetary uh, studies budget for NASA and by writing to the American members of parliament. Because yeah. I assumed right, that they would have a clever and sophisticated system like Australia based on the very long-term and stable traditional Westminster system. No, they've gone with a sex joke. I, they've... Yeah. <laughs> I've been caught in... Congress That's very, doesn't yeah. work with the British one. No, no, no. You know, you no. beast with two backs. It's like yeah. I was caught in Parliament. Par- that no. sounds. That's the least no. sexy thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we, it sounds like you've been friend zone. Yeah, we had a but good, in America, we had a good chat. In America, mm. they're Congress. Yes, which very, makes sense because they're constantly <laughs> fucking everything. Is that his joke or yours? Mine. Right. Good. Okay. Our listeners would not bow and no, scrape to no, such no, a no, low level. Goodness me. Don't be so anti-government, Dan. But it's true. It's true. I did say I did say American Parliament, and I and they don't have members of Parliament. They have senators, and they have Congress people. Mm. So I apologise. <laughs> no, no. Congress people. I, um, that's how you make more people. And I apologise. You have been listening to The Walk of Shame. If you hear of any mistakes that we make, and I imagine that maybe those mistakes could involve the mass of a hammer <laughs> and a person caught between you, it you and be- the earth. It, you better not just have an opinion about that. Yeah. I'm, I, whoo, it bring better some be science. backed up with it some be, science. Because <laughs> I am, I'm, damn, I'll be on that one. Oh, I'm going to do some research. Faith in your listeners. <laughs> But yes, if you hear Dan say something ridiculous like he normally does, but is ridiculous in a scientific way, then please write to me, Greg, at greg at smartenough.org and tell me if I say something wrong, which I rarely do except every podcast, then please tell Dan. Yep. Don't tell the person that who made way the we can surprise each other. Surprise! It's time for you to bring a song. It is. Now, we had a bit of splashback <gasps> from our last song. The one that we made. The rap, yes. The rap. People don't like the rap. rap. Well, some some people did. Good. Some people really liked it. Good. Some people were quite mean. Were they? A little bit. Aww. Yeah, and certain comments, which were along the lines of, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh. Ah. Oh. So oh. naughty. Why don't, you, why don't you race off to the Nature Podcast yeah. and 
talk to them about their rap. Yeah. They haven't done one. Oh, they haven't done a rap. That's right. All they know is name a little friend of Sedna, the thing we named the sun. That's oh. all they've done. <laughs> Some people loved it, wanted to know where they could buy it. Oh. Don't need to buy it. Yep. Just go to the show notes for episode 65 and download an MP3. But you do have to buy it in one way. You have to go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, do that. That's the cost. That's the cost. If you've downloaded it, go to iTunes and rate the podcast and say, I played the song, I'm rating the podcast. And yeah. it's five. It's five. Yeah. That <laughs> short change is cost you five. It costs us five. Don't stiff Dan. He gets all pouty. Uh, there was one mention, uh, which was my 24-month-old was present in the room while your last <gasps> oh. episode was played. Not only did he scream at me to turn your big musical number off, oh. he will no longer eat salad wraps as rap is bad. <laughs> wow. So, uh, uh, wow. Um, sorry. Um, sorry. But maybe we can impress him with this week's choice of music. Maybe, oh. What do you got for me? Obviously, by now you would have heard the song that Dan did, in the big C. So that will make... Play him that. Yeah. And he kids love Disney. Kids love Disney. They and love poop. It. And poop. Disney and poop. Come on. So what do you got for us? I love songs. No, you don't. That- <laughs> you hate music and you destroy it at every opportunity. But let uh, don't let me stop you. <laughs> wow. Now that we've lowered the bar slightly, I can just step over the top of it. I like songs... For concept albums, we don't get very much of it nowadays. People don't want a concept album. They just have songs because we don't listen to the albums anymore. We just buy songs individually on iTunes and we play them individually as we're doing our stuff. We don't listen to an an album. Like Pink Floyd would create songs that actually reference each other on the same album. Mm -hmm. The uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond album, that sort of stuff. There's a narrative right through them all. We don't have that much anymore. So I always Mm -hmm. like it when bands try to do this or at least they get told to put something together. There is an album called Space for World Record day and it was only released i don't think they're gonna do that well it's only released on vinyl and released on tape and released on a disc they're not going to release it on on um download on uh, downloadable the songs will be downloadable but the album itself is only on physical what a physical. bunch of twats <laughs> anyway it's an idea i see what they're trying to do and the i the, the name of it is space it's like there's people who want you to read novels off pieces of compounded tree pulp the name of the album is space and they had to bring in sounds of space which in the podcast we have done songs about well uh some sounds of space they had to bring sounds of space and they're really good songs so the one i want to play for you is by a band called youth lagoon and the song is called worms getting lost making way against the upgrade I could see into your pocket you were ready in your season switchblade. You're much more competent than they are, but you can't see when you're afraid. I might be a bit deranged, but I've loved you for a decade.
So that was... That was an abrupt ending. <laughs> yes, Youth Lagoon Worms. What I, they did, um, they said this like, really that's well, curious percussion. Mm, it sounds a mm. bit like Björk and Radiohead had a baby. That's us. Radiohead? Very radio Radiohead. Very Radiohead. Radio hat. No, radio hat. That's what they wear. No, uh, very, it has a very Radiohead. Uh, and also Ween. I thought there was a bit of Ween in there. Is, is it Ween? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. A, a ween in there I, as well. I could pay that. And uh, that's, but I, what I liked about it, you may have heard there was in the instrumental bit in the middle, there was weird noises going on in the background. Oh, that, yeah. The, and that was the sound of the rings of, Uranus, the rings of Uranus, the sounds taken by Voyager 2 as it went past. Not actual sounds, obviously. No. It's in space. Space. But, but no one can hear you make right. sounds. So they went, as it went through the uh, electromagnetic radiation, basically, from these things, and, and the sounds collected from it or turned into audible range sounds. Ah, right. So which I played before. I played, I think, it was uh, Jupiter once, mm-hmm. the electromagnetic spectrum from Jupiter. This was from, from the rings around Uranus, and it was the first time it ever been detected. Everyone has to do it once. It's, it's the way it is. I like the song, too. I think and my favourite line is, I could be an astronaut if the Earth would just let me go. Oh, that's nice. I do like that. It was, yes, it was very nice. Like I need, say, um, a Majolna's hammer hat <laughs> to help it let it go. Some sort of radio hat, you could yeah, say. Yeah, a radio hat. <laughs> You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other person wearing the hat is Greg at smartenough.org. We have a favour to ask of you listeners. We do. I am going to Iceland in a few months. We want to make sure he never comes back. Tell the bears! I am going to Iceland in a few months. Sorry. Which means that I am going to be out of the country for... Three recording sessions of Smart Enough to Know Better. And originally we were going to not... We were just going to go radio silence. Yeah, I was just going to... Because, you know, f*** you guys. I don't, and I went, no, we love them. We love them deeply. And he was, yeah. just, he was The angry. guy who doesn't do the editing said, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. It's not allowed. And so we have come up with a plan. Yes. We here at Smart Enough would like you to vote for your favourite... Well, vote. Yeah, vote. One vote. <laughs> to vote for your favourite segments or sketches, stuff that stays with Or interviews. With you. Or interviews. Oh, I suppose so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes. They're very long. That's the, ho- that, that's the point, Dan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> says, the man, says the man who doesn't edit to the man who edits. Yes. All right. Favorite, <laughs> your favourite stuff from the three and almost four years. Almost four years of podcast. Let us know. what We we basically want to do a best of compilation. We'll add some extra stuff to it as well, so it won't just, it, some parts will be new. But we want to get you what you enjoyed the most. What defined Smart Enough to Know Better for you? And we'll collate it into juicy amazingness. But we need to know from you, dear listener, because Dan and I don't know, we're schmucks. Look at us. No, I do. Oh. No, I'm going to vote for the... It's really the, stuck in your head. I, no, I'm, I'm going to vote for the, the Stonehenge sketch. Oh, it's very good. That's, that's one of my favourite That's sketches. a pretty good... Yeah, your hinges are broken. So uh, but definitely the sketches, anything you like, get on to us, tell us what you liked at the podcast, what you'd like to hear again, what you'd like to share with people. If you have something as well that you would maybe like to put in the podcast, something that you'd like to tell the world about, a scientific thing that you find exciting or something interesting or a scientific story, anything at all, or maybe a rap song based on how you scared your kids with a salad wrap. Send it in to us, and maybe we'll use it. Oh, God. You just ma- you're doing that. I am doing that. You're, you're sifting through that, chaff. That's, ugh, you're horrible to our audience. They are beautiful and talented to a woman. Do you and know a man and, what, and in between. Anywhere on that spectrum. Anywhere on that amazing spectrum mm. of gender. Especially the weird middle bit. If you... <laughs> Dan, 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 Dan. Brilliant. <sighs> Please go to iTunes and vote five stars for us. Yes. So and that we can get to the front and start. And crush the nature podcast. Well, maybe nip around the ankles. Yeah, that's right. We'll be harrying them like little yeah. dogs of science. Release the little dogs of science. Yip, 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 yip. You can follow us on Twitter. At SE2KB. And Facebook at SE2KB. And remember, as we always say here on Smart Enough to Know Better. Yip, 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 All right, you know how to do, don't you? Yeah. Gregoire and some... oh. <laughs> It's always, it's always, it's always harder when you have to do it in real life. <laughs> yeah, it is. Archer, have you watched Archer yet? You sent a message to do it, and I did. I assumed it was Good. in relation to the podcast. No. We need to watch it so we can talk about it. Oh my god, it was great. Welcome to episode sixty-seven 
I'm smart yes. enough. I'm going to try yes. that again. <laughs> Brilliant. You have way too much time in your hands. No, I don't. I'm spending it all doing this nonsense. <laughs> Dan Beeston. Yes. I want to make you Mighty Thor. <gasps> Oh, going down to the curb. The mighty Thor. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hey. Um, because there's a dirty joke there, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest pause yeah, yeah, joke yeah, yeah, yeah. in history. Uh, I just want to get it right. Timing. I, I want to get it right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not Thingle. <laughs> Thank you very much. Crowd goes wild! Waiting while we waited a long time for that. Hello. <laughs> How many do I have to say? Because this is going to take forever. Yeah, six. Oh my god. I got exactly what I needed. Alright, don't use any of the. Screw ups? Yes. Unless, uh... They're hilarious? No.